Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Where's the banjo? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so is that the only reason you were using a drum today? Yeah. Alright, so if you find it, is that going to be recurrent, coming back for season three? Yes. Uh, okay, alright. Uh, so, it's a, so it's season three, episode one. Start of the college baseball season, right? Yeah. Now, it was uh, Creighton at Coppin State. I actually thought it was Creighton for the longest time, and then I heard it on commentary say it was Creighton. And actually, when I looked up the, uh, uh, did my research for Creighton, they actually spell it out phonetically. And even then, I still wasn't sure it was Creighton, to be honest, but hey. All right, do you want to tell us a bit about Creighton University? Um, even though your nephew goes there. I'm oh, sorry, not your nephew, my nephew goes there. Your cousin goes there. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Um... It is a private research university in Omaha, Nebraska, founded in 1878. Um, it is an accredited. Uh, it is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. In 2015, the university enrolled 8,393 graduate undergraduate students uh, on a fort. On a 140-acre campus, just outside downtown Omaha, it is classified among R2 doctoral universities. High research activity. I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. I know it does. Too. <laughs> it compromises nine. Comprises. Oh my God, we got to practice those reading skills. You've been a little bit rusty recently. Like when I've been telling you at night, you need to read a little bit. And it's like, no, you can read instead. Wow, we're going back to you reading some more, I think. Go on, and what does it compromise of? Uh, it comprises of nine undergraduate, graduate, and professional schools and colleges, including law school, medical school, dental school, pharmacy school, nursing school, and business school. The university operates the Creighton University Medical Center. It has second it has a second campus focused on mental on on health uh, sciences located in Phoenix, Arizona. I that's a lot of stuff. I like I knew the name. Um, I didn't know where Creighton was, I'm gonna be honest, until probably about a couple of years ago. It's one of those schools that I've heard of, but I just don't know where it is exactly and why is it significant that it's in omaha as well what do we know about omaha that's important that probably some of our listeners are not going to know particularly college world, series. college world series that is our aim this year i've want it's been on my to-do list for a long time uh but this year we're going to finally try and get to do it um i get out of school relatively early um i think it gives us a few days to kind of get across um the whole event goes on for like a week probably 10 days so i don't have to see the actual final i don't think that's important but i would like to see some of the college world series it so, is important because well that'll be the hardest wins. one to get to that'll be the most expensive one as well so that might be kind of tough to do it for me it's more about seeing the stadium and seeing the kind of the colleges interact and to me actually the semi-final might be more interesting that battle to make the final sometimes the final is not always the best game Ooh. 
So uh, I don't know. I wait, would like you, to see. Is there like a hill that, and then there's like a little gap that you could see through? Uh, you're thinking of the Little League World Series. But so, is there, uh, no. is now there that's any, something you'll is there probably. Any, like gaps to see? I don't. Through? I've never been to Omaha. <laughs> I have no idea. This is a new stadium, as we're going to find out in a little bit anyway. So I have never been there, so I do not know. Um, the university was founded as Creighton College on September second, eighteen seventy-eight, through a gift from Mary Lucretia Creighton, who stipulated in her will that school be established in memory of her husband. Husband, prominent Omaha businessman Edward Creighton. So it kind of makes sense why the name comes from that. Uh, noticeable basketball players from the university uh, Paul Silas, Benoit Benjamin, and Kyle Corver. I wonder if you recognize that last name. Um, Kyle Corver's a big three point shooter. I wonder if that was a name that you recognized. No. Now, Paul Silas is very, is very significant to me. Paul Silas was a manager of the Charlotte Hornets when I used to live in Charlotte. So, um, yeah, he was there for the two years that I was there. He was their manager. He was a great coach. Um, so I recognize that. Benoit Benjamin, I had to rec- admit, I was like, I have never heard of Benoit Benjamin. I'm not a big basketball follower. So I looked up to see. He was actually drafted number three on his, so overall. So I was like, that's pretty he- high. Uh, he was a center. He got drafted by uh, the Clippers. And I think, I didn't write it down, but I'm pretty sure it's 1985. Looking at the list, then this is a person who got selected ahead of him, Patrick Ewing. I was like, well, that's a big player, so I can understand that. The second player I don't actually recognize either, Wayman Tisdale. So I don't know how successful he was going forwards. But there was definitely some players later on that list that I recognized. Charles Oakley uh, was drafted ninth on that list. And Carl Malone, the mailman, uh, was number 13. He went, he went to the U. Utah Jazz, he went on to be one of the highest point scorers of all time as well. Uh, let me see. I can't remember what I asked you to read and what I said I was going to read. Oh, I did this one. Uh, Creighton's baseball team has... Oh, no, you're reading that one. You're reading that one. Yeah, this is baseball. I did basketball. You're the baseball person. Tell us about the Creighton baseball team. Uh, Creighton baseball moved into a new home. No, no, no. Before that, uh, you skipped a whole section. Uh, okay. Creighton baseball team has one appearance in the College World Series in 1991. Mm-hmm. How did they only get in once if they hosted? Well, just because you host it doesn't mean you still got to qualify. you got to be one of the best, I think it's eight teams to qualify. If, so. they, if they have, if, if, if they figured that they should host it there, then shouldn't they be like a good team there? Um, that's the one thing I couldn't find out. Stadium? That was the one thing that I looked for. I tried to find out, like, why is the College World Series in Creighton, in Omaha? And I could not find out that answer anywhere. So I can't answer that question for you. Um, Jim Hendry, the former general manager of the Chicago Cubs, was Creighton's head coach for its 1991 College World Series appearance. Uh-huh. Um, the program's graduates... Include Hall of Fame pitcher Bob Gibson. See, I told you there was a big name who pitched for that. So, I have to tell you a little bit more about that. Um, in Omaha, Nebraska, Gibson overcame childhood illness to excel in youth sports, particularly basketball and baseball. After briefly playing under contract to both the Harlem Globetrotters and the St. Louis Cardinals organization, Gibson decided to continue playing only baseball professionally. Well, we're like, time out here. Like, when we normally look through some of these lists of previous players, like, it might be players I've heard but Bob Gibson is a big player. Your reaction was, I can tell straight away, you know that Bob Gibson is a big player as well. I didn't know he played for the Harlem Globetrotters, though. How did I, I, I would have thought that would have been something I would have heard of before. I thought that was really cool. Um, Bob Gibson was an American right-handed pitcher in Major League Baseball who played his entire career for the Cardinals from 
1959 to 75. That's kind of unusual as well, to get one player who played for such a long time with just one team. Uh, known for his fiercely competitive nature, Gibson tallied 251 wins, 3,117 strikeouts, and a 2.91 earned run average. Nine-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. He won two Cy Young Awards and the 1968 MVP Award. Pitchers rarely get the MVP award, but 1968 was a little special, as I'm going to say in the next paragraph. The pinnacle of his career was that season. His ERA, do you remember this one? It was like it was like one. Yeah, 1.12. It's absolutely ridiculous uh, for the season and recorded 17 strikeouts in game one of the 1968 World Series. Uh, Gibson threw a no-hitter in 1971, but began experiencing swelling in his knee in subsequent seasons. At the time of his retirement in 1975, Gibson ranked second only to who uh, amongst Major League pitchers and career strikeouts? Uh, Nolan Ryan. That's a good answer, but Nolan Ryan, I think, career kind of overlapped that. He would have been after Gibson. Same thing. He would have been after. He would have retired afterwards, I think. Oh, actually, I don't know. That might be close, actually. That might be close. Sandy Koufax didn't pitch for very long, actually. He retired at 31. So he's a great pitcher for a short period of time. Do you want a clue? Yeah. Washington. Local player. It was one of the first, it was in the first Hall of Fame class, which we talked Max about Scherzer. recently. Max Scherzer. Walter Johnson. Oh, yeah. Walter Johnson. Um, he was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1981. His first year of eligibility. Jeez, I got your habit now. And the Cardinals retired his uniform number 45 in September 1975. The year he retired. Gibson was later selected for the Major League Baseball All-Century Team in 1999. So that's a pretty, that tells you how he a picture that Bob Gibson is I that he was Bob, selected on that old. I think Bob Gibson was somebody and like I think he got his revenge in an all in an old timers game by throwing at somebody. That was 15 years after. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, that's a, a long-time grudge. I think that they actually lowered the mound because of that 1968 season, if I remember correctly. Like, he was so dominant. It was like, nobody can get hit. Um, they wanted to even it out a little bit. But, yeah, he was he was just that good. But what about every other pitcher? Well, they obviously suffered. <laughs> Their ERAs went up. Not everyone else had a 1.12 ERA that season, for sure. But in the end, I think it was the right decision. It did kind of balance it out a little bit. All right, tell us about the stadium, then, that you were talking about earlier. Uh, Creighton Baseball moved into a new home, Charles Schwab Field, Omaha, in 2011. The stadium features a 360-degree continuous walkway on the concourse level with both permanent and portable concession stands lining the concourse. The stadium has seating for <clears throat> 24,000 fans. The NCAA has agreed to to a contract keeping the College World Series in Omaha for 25 years, starting in 2011. So, yeah, they're going to be there till 2036. So they've still got another 11 years or so. So, yeah. So let me go back to the history then, because you asked me this and I tried to look up. I was like, has it always been in Omaha? Is there a reason it's in Omaha? So let me tell you to the first College World Series. 1947, uh, California beat Yale in Kalamazoo, Michigan. 1948, Southern California uh, beat Yale, Kalamazoo, Michigan again. So Yale's just I, lost I the think, first two College I think World Michigan Series. Michigan 
is probably a colder place, so that's why they may have moved. I thought that was a, when I saw that, After, I was like, I think that's why they moved. Now it is in May, but even so, I'm like, when you think of baseball, I don't think of Michigan immediately. I have to admit, 1949, Texas uh, defeated Wake Forest in Wichita, Kansas, and then 1950, Texas uh, beat Washington State in Omaha, Nebraska, and ever since that, it's remained in Omaha. So obviously, I think that first stadium. Uh, oh, the first stadium was um, Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium. Uh, it, that's where the first College World Series was held there, and it was held there until 2010. Man, if I'd have gone when I first wanted to see it, I could have had another stadium to my list. That held the College World Series for 60 years. It's been demolished now, so you can't see it. So the new one is that Charles yeah, Schwab film. It's a historic site. Well, that's the way it goes. People want to, people want a better quality when they go to their games. They want better parking. They want better facilities, and that's just the way the game goes. Um, I do have some facts about that first one, though. Future president of the United States George H. W. Bush was Yale's captain and appeared in the 1947 and 1948 College World Series. Uh, Bush was actually waiting on desk deck when Cal recorded the final out in the second game of the 1947 World Series. I thought that was kind of interesting. I knew he was a baseball player i knew he played for college but i didn't know he was as good as reaching the college world series and um, i think there's a little bit about the uh other stadium there jj uh the johnny rosenblatt stadium yeah oh i didn't put that on yours then? okay no. um it was a baseball stadium in omaha nebraska the former home to the college world series but also the minor league omaha royals now known as the omaha storm chasers um, also played there. It was the largest minor league baseball stadium in the United States until its demolition. So um, this stadium, this one hosted 24,000. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the previous one was. But, yeah, college um, college stadiums can be sometimes bigger than actually the minor league stadiums because just the way it is. Or they could be the same stadium as minor league teams. Too. In some cases, that's true. That's definitely like, true um, for, for VSU. V, uh, VCU. Yeah. VCU and uh, Richmond Flying Squirrels. Ab absolutely, yeah. So that can certainly be the case. All right, now, a lot of changes. A lot of changes. At the end of last year, uh, once the season had finished, we kind of knew a little bit about that, um, the transfer system, the, the portal, I think it is, where players can now just basically say, I want to leave this team and I want to go join another team. Hey, who wants me? And um, that's how baseball works now. Um, a lot of players did leave Coppin this year. Uh, some of them we can talk about. We certainly know that that uh, Jordan Hamburg and Josh Hankins went to Gonzaga. I'm trying to think. Sebastian went to uh, somewhere, and I think it's like the Kansas City area. It's the Jays. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. The Perhaps Blue I should Jays? have wrote some of the these Blue down. It, it, the nickname might be the Blue Jays. Like, their logo looks exactly the same. Wait, a blue... Um, the... The Creighton team is the Blue Jays. It is. Well, there's more than one team that are called the Blue Jays. When you've got, there's so many college teams that they're going to share some similar nicknames. Um, we also know some of the pitchers. One of the pitchers, um, Mr. Excellence. I can't remember his name right now. I can only remember his Twitter handle. Um, he moved to, I want to say it's Southern Florida. Um, we saw Keith and moved to North Carolina. A um, lot of transfers. Very difficult to keep track of everybody where they've gone. So, how about telling us the teams then? Tell us the team from the start of 23, tell us the team at the end of 23, and then tell us the starting lineup for the Creighton game, just so we can see how many changes there has been. Um, the starting game, it was Josh Hankins, Brett Curran, Jordan Hamburg, Sebastian, Brian Nicholas, Corey, um, Mike Dorsian, Anthony, 
And Sam Nervous. Yeah, now it's also we should mention some people are obviously seniors as well. So some players just were not coming back anyway because that was the end of their college career. Okay, so a lot of those names were people basically from that MIAC tournament, right? Yeah. I think probably the new names that year were, were Sam Nieves. He was certainly new. Uh, Anthony DiVittorio was new. But besides that, it was... Pre oh, Brett Curran, I think, was new as well in centre field because I think that would have been Matt Day the previous year. Okay, and then tell us about the end of the year. Pretty uh, similar, okay. actually. Brett Curran, Josh Hankins, Jordan in Hamburg, Liam, Brody, Mike Dorsian, Brian, Torrance Smith and Corey Miley. So there's a lot of the group that are there. Some of the orders changed a little bit. Uh, like Brett Curran's moved up to the top of the lineup. Brody Black's now in that lineup as well at right field. Uh, Brody Black actually finished the year as the highest average on the Coppin State team. I think he said it was 304. Uh, Liam's playing first base. He was also pitching at the start of last season as well. So he came into, he played some first base. I think he played some right field as well, actually. I think perhaps, I don't know, perhaps, who knows? Might have been an injury. You never know at this point in the season. Sometimes you got to play where you got to play. Um, Taran's in that list as well. Corey's kind of moved down that lineup a little bit. Um, but yeah, basically the same sort of lineup. you still got Brian Nicholas in there. you still got Mike Dorsey and you still got Jordan and Josh playing. Alright, what about the lineup for the game one then against uh, Creighton? Very different looking team. Okay. Brody, Kai, Chris, Damon, Victor, Angel, uh, Bryce, uh -huh. Thompson, Ethan, Anthony and Noah. Yeah, so some of those players we certainly recognize. Like Noah was, I think, more the backup catcher to yeah, Mike Dorsey in last year. Catcher. Anthony DiVittorio kind of played some games, didn't play every game. Uh, Bryce Thompson, same sort of thing, came in sometimes, didn't always play. Brody Blackish is. Brody Black now is, having said, he was the main uh, batter last year. He was center field, but then, um, on, but then on this one, he, I he was center field on yeah, this game. Yeah, he was center field. He was right then, field on the other game. Well, and then, but he was also um, DH. He, you can be as well. That can they can certainly change that as well. I, I was like next to coach, uh -huh. and then I heard him um, say that Brody was going to be DH, and uh, I forgot who was replacing him. So with this being a double header, I think part of it is you want to give players like it's a lot to get asked players to play two games, but also it's a good chance to kind of mix your squad up a little bit, give everybody a chance. Because also they've got a game coming up only uh, two days later as well. They've got a game coming up on Tuesday. So I think if I remember correct, it was uh, Ricky. I think Ricky played center field in the second game. So that might have been why he was playing DH in that one. So yeah, some new names. Um, uh, shortstop Kai Holm. Uh, DH was Chris Marte in that first game. First baseman, uh, Damon. I think he's Gaither. I don't know. I haven't heard some of these Aaron names. Judge. I haven't. He definitely looks like Aaron Judge. And I definitely want to talk about Damon later for sure. Uh, third base was Victor Alonghi. See, most last year, that would have been Brian Nicholas. Uh, second base, Angel Cologne. This was confusing for us, and you mentioned this. The numbers have changed. Like, it was kind of difficult. Like, you couldn't help but see certain numbers. Like, you see six, and you immediately think of Josh. And um, when you come up with because you were like, hold on, Angel's number one. I was like, well, not this year. is not. So you got to get used to new numbers. That's going to take a while. I think Angel's 23. Um, I'm not sure if Bryce has changed numbers or not. Um, I'm not sure how you pronounce the center fielder's name on this one. Oh, actually, I wrote center fielder twice. Whoops, I must have made a mistake. Unless he came into pitch Ethan. here. Ethan Acevedo. I'm not sure if that's how you say that. I just realized I have two center fielders in this lineup, so I must have uh, put something wrong on this one somewhere. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened there. Perhaps he came into pinch hit and I'm just messed up. And uh, yeah, yeah. All right, shall we talk about game one then? So, oh, before we talk about game one, 
this was Friday. Last year we went to see Friday's game. My schedule, basically I have one day where I have a half day and one day where I have a full day, whereas most people have three quarters on each day. So last year fell on a half day, so I could kind of get out early and we could come to the game. This year that did not happen. So tell us about game one. I caught some of this on the radio when I came home from school. I, came, I caught this in about the middle of the third, I think it was. Um, so... Um, so, in the first inning, it was, in the first inning, it was already 10-0, Creighton. Yeah. And then, in the second inning, it was 15-0, yep. Creighton. And then it was um 21-0, Creighton. Yeah. And then... Because I actually, when I came to pick you up, it was around that time. And I actually said to you, I said, you want to know the score? And I was yeah. like, Creighton are up by three touchdowns. And I'm like, I, I didn't know if you understood what I was talking about. But obviously, it's not a football game. But with the scores being so high, I actually heard that line on commentary, actually. Somebody said Creighton up by three touchdowns. And I thought you would appreciate that. Um, and then in the seventh inning, they were up 24 to zero. Uh, and that, that was the finish, yeah. Creighton, 24 runs on 17 hits with no errors. Uh, Coppin State, six hits, three errors. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, Dominic Cancellieri was the uh, winning pitcher for Creighton. Um, any pick, any particular stats you want to mention from either Creighton players or Coppin State players? Uh, I'm looking down the lineup. As for such a dominant score, uh, Tate had three hits. You would have thought somebody might have had four hits, possibly, but it was that's not how it worked. It was kind of spread out. Yep. Um. Oh, Tate did have four runs, though. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, he had a basis on ball as well. Uh, what about from the Coppin side, then? Um, um, Damon had two hits. Yep. There was one other player who had two hits as well. Bryce had two hits. Yeah, Bryce. So, um, Damon was two for four, and uh, Bryce was actually two for two. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was that was pretty impressive. And then there was just one more hit for there was well, sorry, there was one hit for Kai, and there was one hit for Daniel, uh, Daniel Moore. Now, one of the qu things that Mommy actually said to us, she was like, because she was asking, like, is there a, a mercy rule or anything? I was like, no, not in college baseball, there's not. And oh, her comment was, I hope at least coach then put in some of his like second string players or third yeah. string players. And actually, if you, I actually count along the list. Obviously, I have a start in nine. Creighton actually had 18 people who batted within this game. So they definitely did put some other people in. And that was one of the reasons why you didn't have anybody having that four-hit game. Like, as you look further down the line, you can see pinch hitter, pinch hitter, pinch hitter, pinch hitter. So, yeah, and I actually wrote down the start because obviously once you hear 10 in the first, it sounds really bad. And the opening pitcher was Nico Felber, who we actually talked about at the end of the year. Would Nico become one of the starters? Because uh, he's such a dominant person in relief. Like, yeah, with people should... leaving, are we going to... Oh, Marcus Herond was the name I was trying to think of earlier. I'm sorry, I don't know why it took so long to remember. Um, would Nico start? He did, and then when you look, you're like, that doesn't sound like Nico to give up 10 runs. And in reality, he didn't give up 10 runs. Um, there was only two earned runs. So one of those, those errors we talked about earlier 
that actually cost them eight additional runs. So there was eight unearned runs in the first inning. So that one error, oh my gosh, kind of made a big difference, unfortunately. So they started off, Gillen singled to left field. Uh, Dieters reached on a fielding error. And there you go. That's your error right there, straight away, on the second play, unfortunately. Uh, Sailors reached on a fielder's choice. And then somebody stole. And then all the runs after that are unearned because that person shouldn't have even been on. So yeah, eight unearned runs, unfortunately. But that's, um, that's a tough start for any game that's that's not how you want to start a season and then same in the second um i think the person that came in after that whose name i can't remember right now um he got through that first he got through that second inning but then that third inning he just couldn't get an out it was i think he gave up i think all his runs were actually earned i think it might have been 11 earned runs if i remember afterwards uh, but after that, it actually got much better. Now, I didn't actually give you the pitching stats, and I didn't write down the names either, which is uh, rather frustrating to me right now, because I actually wrote down, I actually posted a tweet on your behalf afterwards of, okay, it didn't go great, but there were some positives, like Damon getting two hits on his debut, obviously against a pretty good Creighton team. I was like, that's obviously kind of good. Uh, Kai managed to get his first hit as well, so it's always good when those debut players, Daniel Moore got his first hit as well. Um, but there were some pitching. So the fact that you mentioned they were 21 up after three and then like 24 up after a certain amount, um, there wasn't many runs after that. So I'm trying to look. Oh, my gosh. Of course, I went way too many. Here we go. Um, it was uh, Caden Striley, I think is how you say that name, and uh, Michael Matthews. Didn't give up a single run. I think Caden pitched about two innings, and I think Michael pitched about four innings. So good for them for coming in after what was obviously a tough situation and uh, kind of closing that game out. Now, this is when it started to get strange. We were supposed to go to Saturday's game. There's a game on Saturday, game on Sunday. So what happened? How come we did not go to a game on Saturday? Snow. Snow. Well, there was supposed to be four to six inches of snow where we were. Uh, we had about four to six millimeters. Um, but definitely, I don't know if I actually showed you the picture of the field. Uh, that here, I'm showing you the picture now. So it's not particularly deep, but it is covering the whole field. And um, the, yeah, there's no way you'd be able to be ready to play a game because um, it snowed overnight. So they would have had literally a few hours to get. There's no way you could clear that in a few hours. So that would have been very difficult. We actually had a disc golf tournament and we didn't have any snow. In our area but it got postponed oh sorry it got delayed so we, even if the, both games have had gone on we would not have been able to make the copping game so we were kind of kind of happy that it did get cancelled i think right yeah i think we would uh because then we get to see two games for the price of one because uh, we have to travel about an hour and we did go to kinder park kinder farm park first played yeah. around disc golf got to see some animals got some spicy nuggets from wendy's sugar. uh gone tells about sugar, sugar. Sugar was not a no, pig. The, the there was a sheep. It okay. was in the sheep and pig barn. Yeah, we walked into the um, the barn, and actually they were walking a sheep yeah. uh, to that area. I guess they were transferring her between different pens. But yeah, we got mm -hmm. to stand close, and another family was asking questions, and the little kids were yeah. super excited that there was a sheep, like literally a couple of feet in front of them. And I really want the guy was stroking Sugar, obviously to keep her nice and calm. And I was like, I want to get in there and stroke Sugar as well. She looked really soft. Um, but yeah, wasn't to be. Anything else you want to talk about pre-game for game two? Um, I have one thing I want to talk about, but... 
All right, while you're thinking, um, it was noticeable, although I was impressed how good the field looked. Like, the field was really clear, which was something that I hadn't really expected. Um, I did see one tweet from at GoGoGapper, um, who's a Jays fan, especially proud of the team for helping shovel snow off the field before the game today. So they obviously did that on, I'm guessing, Saturday then, from the, uh, on, on Sunday, sorry, from that explanation. But I guess they realized, I guess they let as much melt as possible, and then whatever was left, they cleared. And that big mound we saw outside the stadium, did he see? It had the little black dot. It had yeah. the little thing that you have from the yeah, AstroTurf fields. Yeah, there was someone on the left and then someone on the right. Yeah, so you yeah. can tell that the players had obviously shoveled off the field, but that was good. The stadium um, itself, the bleachers were a little slippy, actually. There was little pockets of ice, and you had to be very careful as yeah, you were walking. Yeah, they put salt. They put some there, but they didn't put all down, and of obviously course. it can only melt so much. I was much. also walking really carefully, and I still slipped. I did, too. I was, yeah, I was having to but be I very careful. But I never actually, like, fell, though. No, I didn't either, but it was like it was a little I don't say dangerous, but you had to be you had to be yeah, you had to be careful. Dangerous. You no, you had to be careful what you were doing. Um but no, and also very cold. Not surprisingly, early February, I think game temperature was uh, 40 degrees. I'm I trying to look. Normally it tells you on it. Yeah. I remember last time it was really windy. Yeah. Games. Yeah. Yeah. Mid 40s and sunny. Well, it was for this one because when we went up to the hill, you could see the flag blowing straight out towards right field. And I'm sure when we talk about this game, we'll talk about some hits that probably went that way. Um, so within probably the first two innings, you'd already found some foul balls. You'd already said hi to coach. You'd find your place where you can be near the players. And it was just like old times. It was like, all right, this is this is good. All right, tell us about this game then, JJ. Um, After a twenty-four to zero loss, uh, you would assume that this is going to be a this is going to be a tough game for Coppin. Um, How did it go then? So first inning no runs, the second inning four zero Coppin, then then the fourth inning it was four to one Coppin. Yep. Then then the fifth it was. Five to one copy. Now, also at this stage, we should say this is a double header game. So this is not a full nine innings. So this is only seven inning games. So after five to be five one up, this is looking really good right now. They just got two more innings to survive. And then in the sixth, it was six to five Creighton. It was. And then in the seventh, it was six to six. So we're playing extra innings at this point. Yeah. Then in the eighth, it was. It was nine to six. Right final score was nine to six. Uh, they got nine hits on uh, nine runs on ten hits with one error. Uh, Coppin had eight hits uh, with one error as well. Uh, ten hundred and seventy-five. I forgot to mention the other game. It said the tenants was one hundred and fifty-six. So it's not I just saw. it's not that round number of one hundred and fifty, which I kind of liked. Um, no, it would be one hundred fifty-five. Oh, okay. Well, they didn't round it because it was normally they'd say 150. I've only seen them go up in groups of 25s before, but obviously they weren't doing that. Um, any particular ones? Have a look at the Coppin ones, and I'll talk about some of the Creighton players then. Uh, Tate Gillen opened up, was the center fielder. He was batting leadoff. Uh, he got two hits and a walk. Uh, also, Nolan Clifford had two hits, uh, three RBIs, two walks as well. And uh, Matt Sherman, who was a pinch hitter, had uh, two hits and two at bats. And a couple of RBIs as well. Um, so on the Coppin side, nobody had more than two hits or runs. Um, so Brody had a hit. Yep. Uh, Ricky had a hit and a run. Yep. Uh, Chris, Chris had one hit. Uh, Damon had a hit and a run. Daniel had 
a hit and a run. Bryce had a hit and a run. Angel had a hit and a run. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braylon had one hit, one run. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, so it was kind of even throughout the team, which is good. You want people to start the season to get their first hit. Obviously, it feels good. Now, I felt on this game that, that, that Coppin State had been robbed. Um, the... People were not happy with the calls by the umpire, which often happens in games, there but there was a few. They got the guy out at first, but he said save. And that's one of the things I was going to talk to. But when I look back at the stats, there's one thing that kind of really hurt Coppin State in this game. The number of walks. Creighton had uh, Creighton had nine walks. So that's how many walks that Coppin gave up. Coppin only had three that's a big difference when you're giving people extra chances to get runs and you're getting them on base like that. So that was something that kind of really hurt that team on this one. Yeah. Now this was a question I wanted to ask then because I wasn't sure about this one. So um, the starting pitcher, I don't think I wrote down the starting pitcher. Um, it was Eric. Um, I want to say it's Eric Algez. Um I'm not quite sure. And I don't know why I only wrote down the batters, not the pitchers. It's definitely a uh, Oh, is it Eric or is it Alec? It's something that ends in Alec. a K. It's Alec? Okay. Really, I should probably look this up, right? Alec. Rather than just... It's, you tell me it's Alec? Yeah, it's A-L-E-K. All right, I'm going with Alec then. Um, so Alec was really good at that uh, pickoff move. I don't know if you saw it at the start. Like, the number of times he threw to Damon at first, and they were so lucky to get back. They were really close. I don't think they, they realized... Pretty far out. Like the first one, like if you don't know who that pitcher is, then I can understand it. But once you've seen that pickoff move once, you would think that it'd be like, all right, this guy's got a good pickoff move. We better be careful. They still almost got caught out. And there was definitely one play that they threw to Damon, and I thought he applied the tag, and the umpire went safe. And the crowd said, and it must have been, he what? obviously didn't apply the tag. Now, my question was the throw was clearly good enough. He should have obviously applied the tag. He did. Does that count as an error if you don't make that play? I don't know how that works when it's not an actual ball-in-play situation. Like, obviously, if you hit the ball to somebody and they make an error, that's an error, right? If it's just in the pitcher's hand, like, if he throws it to Damon and Damon completely misses it, then I believe that is an error. But I'm not sure what happens in a situation like that where you make the catch. I don't know if they just give the benefit of the doubt, like, hey, look, he, he got back. He did well to get back. I don't know. I'm wondering what happens if it was... Can you imagine if the runner had fallen over and then for some reason he didn't tag him and he got back? Would that be classic? I don't know. I'm hoping somebody who listens to this knows more about baseball than we do. But that was one of my one of my things. It did not appear as an error anywhere. I did see that. And that might be harsh. That might be harsh. Perhaps the player did make a good dive to dive under the tag. I don't know. But to me, you're shaking your head. Ugh. I thought it looked like it should have been a tag. It looked it like a tag as well. I, I honestly thought it was a tag, but hey, that's a... Uh, it was a tag. That was a tag. All right. That's one of those things. And one of the other one. Oh, also, we should talk about this earlier on. Um, we nearly got uh, Damon Gaither's first home run ball. We went out. I sent you the wrong way because you didn't see where we go. Well, it was close. It was kind of round center field, but it was slightly more to the right than the left. So we went round. We did find two balls, which slowed okay. us down. But then a player came round and got the other ball. So the player got Damon's first home run ball because we were trying to make sure he got that because he, he had two hits in the first game, but we knew this was his first home run ball. Um, I'm excited for seeing more of Damon Gaither. I, when I saw he had two hits in that first game, I was like, okay. And then when we saw him, because you already mentioned he looks like Aaron Judge. He's like Aaron Judge. You can see why he got that nickname. I think I heard somebody in the crowd behind me say as well that he's kind of got that nickname as well. He's an exciting player. 
he's definitely an exciting player to watch. Um, but you said he's got the build of a first baseman, right? Because he's got that long reach, and I would agree. That's going to be. He's also tall too. Yeah, yeah. You can grab a lot more balls when you've got that height. So. And also, it's an important place, and you need to do this. Absolutely. I haven't had a chance. I don't know if they list those stats, but I am curious to see. Well, how how tall do you think Damon is? Like six something? Well, he's definitely six something, yeah. I, I don't know. Like six six? I, I think that's probably about right. Six. Could be six seven. I don't know. Six five, maybe? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to look. And it's difficult because it depends, obviously, who they're standing next to as well. But you can see when he was stood next to certain places, uh, people, he definitely um, he definitely uh, towered over them. Now, I said they were robbed earlier, which um, the it's couple true. of things that I didn't like about this was there was at least two pitch violations on the clock. Now, we didn't see that before now when we've been to uh minor league games i saw you... the clock oh you saw yeah, the clock yeah they I... have it on the thing the like, thing like, you be like, more specific because i didn't see it with the radars like oh it's clock. there oh see i didn't see that and i was they, they hold it over the thing oh, okay so one of the questions in the crowd was can can that pitcher see what the clock is because he yes. seems to okay so i'm not sure what happened then you know sometimes i like, when the sun comes in and it reflects you can't always see like there can be a glare like i know the sun was actually behind in this situation but there can be situations where you can't see it or if it's small or it's certainly not as big as one that i saw in the minor league that's for sure so i don't know all right well you're showing me something kind of big so i didn't notice it so i did wonder but i think there was at least two different pitchers who did that now i'm not checking that because i can't see from where we're sat are they starting at the right time because you can't start that clock until the batter's actually ready as well so i don't know um you also got Braylon Watson's home run ball. Like, the players went out, couldn't find it, and you said, well, let's go and have a look one more look. And you found... I found it, like, it was on a curb. Yeah, it was on a curb and next to a parking spot. It went a long way. Yeah. Once those balls bounce, it's really difficult to find. Yeah, it bouncing, like, you could just see the logo immediately. Uh-huh. So, it was like it was just sitting there perfectly for you to see. Yeah, yeah, it was. It just went so far that we didn't even know. So, yeah, there was a... You did manage to get a home run ball. You got plenty of foul balls, I know that. Yeah, I, had to come, I was like, where's Jackson? I was like, oh, he'll be getting that foul ball. And uh, Yeah, um, I wanted to talk about specifically... Uh, the end of the game. I remember last year I got a bag of Twizzlers for getting... <laughs> you you did. I remember somebody saying, hey, if you bring me balls, you get like a treat or something. You got so many, they just gave you the bag pretty much. So I want to talk about the bottom of the seventh because this was where Coppin were down by one. Um, it was uh, Jones pinch hit for Holm. Jones singled to left field. Marte singled, moving Jones on to third. Um... Acevedo uh, pinch ran for Marte. Yeah, we saw that there was a change in runner because we're like, hey, this is the end. Like, you got to put your fastest runners on base to give him a chance. Um, he advanced to second on a wild pitch, and Jones scored on that same wild pitch. So we got runners on second now and uh, tied game. Um, advanced to third on a pass ball. So they're giving us chances at this point. So tied game, no outs, runner on third. The crowd was going crazy. That's the loudest I've heard a home cop in crowd, I think, with the exception of the MIAC, um, that I've ever heard a crowd. They were really excited by this. Somebody brought an air horn. And then somebody did bring an air horn, yeah. Uh, Damon grounded out to, it says catcher. I think it must just have been a little dribbler then, possibly. Oh, yeah, because it dribbled and then he threw it a first. Yeah, no, he threw it to home. You take, If you got piece of balls, oh, well, I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure then. Uh, actually, you're right. He must have thrown to first, otherwise it would have been a fielder's choice. Yeah, yes. It's. it's, it's 
it was really. But like, they had to be quick. It bounced once. Yeah. He got up, got it, and threw it. You check the runner on third first to make sure, and then you throw the first, but you got to be ready to get that ball straight back again. Um, Daniel Moore struck out swinging, and then uh, I think it's Victor Alonghi uh, also struck out swinging, which yeah. ended. So uh, that ended it's the inning. Because in. there was a runner on third. Yep. Um, you did a little dribbler to try and get it. Um, the runner at third just stayed. Yeah, you couldn't was, couldn't get there. It was close. It was close, just couldn't quite get there. So that was kind of frustrating. And then, um, yeah, in the end, they, they got their three. But it, it was tough. They even had chances, though, in the eighth as well. They managed to get two people on, uh, but they didn't manage to... Uh, Hit a home Yeah, or keep the inning going. So it was, it was kind of tough. But, yeah, some of the calls just didn't seem good like it didn't seem to be the same from where i was sat and i wasn't in the best seat but there was times where it looked like the same call wasn't being made on uh both teams there for was sure. a few um that were above people's knees in the strike zone but uh-huh. they called it a ball uh-huh. and i remember you telling me about one that was really low and they called that a strike zone there was one that was yeah that was there was there was one that definitely got people's attention. And um, there was one unsavory moment on this. Um, right towards the end of the game, there was one fan that was approached by the umpire. Um, he obviously sent something to the umpire because he wasn't happy. But the umpire was physically pointing at him like, who are you? Um, you're going to get thrown out of the game, blah, blah, blah. And the guy kind of just moved out of the way and I didn't see him come back again. Until... But yeah, I, I don't like to see that. Like, we're, we're unhappy with the scores and you, I think you're okay saying, come on, Blue. Call for... Like, I think from a distance that's fine, but I'm not sure what that person said but um you just got to get on with the game at that point like they're not going to change their mind so at some point you better not saying uh, anything at all um gap between the games uh traditional halftime hot chocolate went to mcdonald's 540 calories jeez it was cold so i was that's, like sure that's a good thing. i'll get you the large like the medium was only like 30 cents smaller i was like i'll just get you the large um the tea that i got was weird like they came, they were like hold on you asked for the tea i was like yeah i asked for a hot tea and they were like with cream and sugar like as if that was unusual i was like yeah that's mine they're like oh okay and they went back like i know americans drink tea with lemon um but yeah british people have it with cream and sugar like I can't imagine it's that unusual. And then they gave me a cup of Yeah, that's the American way. They gave me a, a hot water with a tea bag on top. Like I was like, you don't know how to serve a tea? So I had to take the I had to unwrap the tea bag, put it in my own tea and stir it around. I was like, that was kinda weird. Anyway, we got well, back who drinks tea with the lemon. Uh, like, it's, that would it, make it taste sour. That's the way people drink it. I actually, well, that's kind of what you do with sweet tea as well, right? You put lemon in it. It's not that unusual. Like if you have yeah, iced but that's tea, a sweet tea kind of. No, that's iced tea. It's the same sort of thing. It's just the temperature. Well, you're shaking your head, but I'm telling you, tea with lemon is a common thing. Um, it's basically instead of saying I have to put sugar in, it gives it a slight. It's a more healthier option than that. So that's one of the reasons they do it. Um, then we came back. We probably got back five minutes before the start of game three, something like that. I would say. Uh, let me see if I can find game three for you. So this didn't start until 3.45. So this is like a late start. Considering this was only... I thought... In my head, I was like two hours, 30 minutes in between. Probably two hours again. Like 4.30, everything will be done. No, 3.45 is the start of the next game. It, first game was really exciting, though. I, I did really enjoy that game. But I felt so sorry for Coppin. Like, having got beat so badly on the Friday, they really deserved... It ended deserved, at about five. They deserved to win that game, but that did not happen. All right. Um, tell us about game three then, JJ. Um, 
first inning. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. Was it that, that that's already game given? one? Oh, that was game one. I already told you about that one. Now, that's why I can't do that. Here's my trivia question for you, okay? Yeah. All right. Um, so, there was one game played on Friday, right? Yeah. There was, we already talked about the first game of the doubleheader, and then we're about to do the second game of the doubleheader, okay? Now, you obviously know how that game went. Yeah. What is Coppin State's current record? Uh, how many wins, how many losses? Uh, three losses. So their record is 0-3, right? Yeah. Nope, 0-2. Explain. Can you figure that out? Right. How? Exactly, right? I told you I had a great trivia question for you. They had three you. games. They had three games and they owned two. So it's not like they came back either. That one's puzzled you, right? Yeah. All right. So we, uh, the first inning was not good. The first inning was, uh, was it eight runs given up? Yeah. I think it was eight runs given up. Uh, starting pitcher was Christian Pareka. Yeah. And I'm not sure how many earned runs. I, the reason I can't tell you a lot of this stuff is there is no record of this game anywhere. If you go to the Coppin State website, you will not find this anywhere. So when we so anyway at eight zero, we kind of did our walk around the pitch as we often do. Um, you went to play on the playground because you haven't played on the playground at all, and then we saw the score was like twelve zero, and this is like four forty five now. So we're in the top of the second, and we're only playing for an hour. We're starting to get hungry. It's definitely cold because we've been there for five hours at this point, and we still got to drive home as well. And you were like, "Hey, we'll give this ball back um, if." Compensate like go straight out, then we'll we'll head home. Okay, I was like, that's fine, that works with me. So it was twelve zero at that point. Can you remember the score when we got home? What I said it was no twenty five to two, and I said it was in the fourth inning. So we left at the, at the top of the third. we left at the top of the third because we saw Coppin went one two three, and that's when we we left at that point. And um, anyway. I went to the website, no mention of this game anywhere. I was like, well, that's weird. So I went onto the NCAA website to see what they said. They said the score is 25 to 2, and it's a no contest. Now, this is when I got excited because I was like, I don't even know. Do you know what a no contest is? Or do you know what would cause a no contest? No. All right. So the definition, it said, a suspended game that is not completed at a later date due to the inability to reschedule is considered a no contest. It's not counted in the one loss statistics, and both teams are permitted to schedule another contest. So Omaha is obviously... At least, probably at least a thousand miles away. There's no way they can make that game up. Like, if it's George Mason, who are uh, an hour's drive away, no problem. You just say, we'll continue this game. So my question was at that point, why would they stop that in the fourth inning? Any ideas, Jackson? I had no. one thought. I had Mercy one thought. Rule. Not Mercy Rule, because they don't have that. Remember from Friday's game? They don't have a Mercy Rule, yeah. so it's not that. I don't know. The only thing I could think of is, what if they have a plane flight to catch? Oh, what yeah. if they have to go home? Like this is a lot. This game's going on a lot longer than we thought. Like they've scored them. This is only yeah. This is only the fourth inning. Wait, no, like this is fourth. Tomorrow's president's. Well, today's president date. But if they got their flight to get, so I don't know if that was the answer. And that was where my notes were last night. And I was like, okay, it's kind of interesting, but I don't know anything at all what's going on. When I woke up this morning, very luckily for me, my first tweet that I saw was from Creighton Baseball, and I now can give you some more information. Uh, the second game of today's doubleheader versus Coppin State will not count because of only 3.5 innings being played. Creighton starts the season 2-0 after the trip to Baltimore. Huh. Now, so if you look 
on their website, this game doesn't even exist. Would you like to know what happened in the game? What? I have the stats. I have the stats, I can tell you. I'm going to give you the main points, okay? Top of the first. Tate Gillen singles starts things off with an infield single. A balk. That was the other thing. There was a couple of balks called in this game as well, which I'm never good on that rule, but I know that's always controversial. Uh, Gillen scores, 1-0 Jays. Kyla Zukowski, 2-RBI two, two single, 3-zip Jays. Sam Vomhoff, RBI triple, 4-zip Jays. Oh, we got it the wrong way around. It was 4 after the first and 12 after the second. Bottom of the first, here's one of the controversial plays. A huge 6-4-3 double play gets us out of the inning. Now, I don't know if you remember that. Coach was not happy with this one at all. No one in the crowd was happy with this one either. Um, I actually managed to see the video for the end of the game. You want to look at the picture, JJ? Because yeah. I said he wasn't out. I have circled. You can see his foot's on the base. Yeah. And you can see where, well, it's difficult to see, but that's where the ball is. He was safe. Yeah. He was not out at all. Now, if it's a bang-bang plate and you're not sure, you give the benefit to the runner anyway. Yeah. So that was definitely a blown call in that game, which reminds me that was the one I missed from game one. There was a ball hit deep by Brody Black to the outfield, and the runners tagged up and scored. The runner from third scored. The runner from second scored. Everyone was super excited. Brody was safe on base. We soon we got two runs. And then there was like a delay. And then suddenly the umpire throws his wrist up, uh, fist up. I assume what happened is they threw the ball to second to see if he didn't tag up in time. They adjudicated that he hadn't tagged up, and they called it an out. So that that was a very controversial call as well. And um, I do not have video for that. So I could not look that one up at all. But I remember that was another one that kind of... All the little things that happened to Coppin in that game, that would have given Coppin, I think, a 5-0 lead at that point. I don't know. There was a few things in game one I was particularly unhappy with. Uh, Coppin didn't score any in the bottom of the first. Top of the second, Matt Sherman extends the lead with a 2... Oh, I don't know how well this is going to come through. I moved my phone around as I was... <sighs> Oh, uh, you're probably not going to pick up anything you said. I hope it picks up me. Uh, Matt Sherman extends the lead with a 2-RBI, 6-0 Jays win. Uh, a lead, sorry. The Jays extend the lead on a wild pitch, 7-0. Vomoff reaches on a fielder's choice. Zakowski to second on an error. Sherman scores eight zip jacks. Uh, Jays, sorry. Colby Canales, RBI double, 9-0. Jays add another on a Helegiso ground out, 10-0. Um, Helegiso, I think it's his dad, filmed the game. That's how I got to see that video because I saw that there was a link for it. Uh, Teddy Dieters, two RBI trouble, 12-0 Jays. Uh, bottom of the second, no runs for Coppin. Top of the third, so this is where we left, Jay. Uh, Sam Vomhoff, sack fly to bring in Sherman, 13-zip. Zukowski scores on a wild pitch, 14-zip. Jack Peluso, two RBI double, 16-0. Uh, Coppin scores two in the bottom of the third, 16-2. Uh, this is top of the fourth now. Koyler Zukowski uh, walks. Dulwich scores 17-2 to Jays. Sam Vomhoff, two RBI single, 19-2. Zukowski scores on a ball, 20-2. Mason McCurdy with a pinch hit, RBI single, 20 21 to 2. Zane Scancy, 2 RBI single, 23 to 2. Scancy scores on a ground out, 24 to 2. And Dulwich scores on a wild pitch, 25 to 2. Whew. From the video that I saw, after that inning, the players walked off, coaches shook hands, and then I saw Coach Sherman talking with one to one of the umpires. Maybe. Probably still not happy with one of those calls from game one. And that was it. It was kind of really strange. And then, yeah, I saw that tweet that said the game will not count because of whatever. And anyway, so, yeah. So, if this game doesn't even count, 
and it's not listed anywhere. How on earth did I know what that game actually happened in that game? This is all from the Crichton Twitter feed. They post every single play, pretty much, that results in a score. So you can recreate the whole game. Some of these had video clips as well. That's amazing. So if you don't go to the game, you can literally watch, watch every single hit and see how they were scored. Now, on Twitter, somebody did ask, why is this a no contest? Yeah. Some people responded, uh, Alicia tickets 44. It's a no contest, probably decided by copping since we were up by so much. Um, somebody else said, I understand, but why agree to that? We flew to Maryland and then just agreed to give up on adding a win to our record. Uh, somebody else responded, baseball teams fly commercial, so we probably had a flight to catch. If you ever fly during spring training on Thursdays or Sunday evenings during February through May, you will usually run into a Division One college team at an airport. And somebody else responded, the team had a flight catch. This is the drop time came into play. So it sounds like my guess from last night was correct. It sounds like they had a, a flight to catch at a certain point. So they agreed ahead of time, if we get to a certain point, this game has to end no matter what, and we'll just call it as not counting. I agree with what the fans are saying from the Blue Jays side, though. That's kind of harsh. If you're winning 25-2, to two, that you're, you're winning that game. All those people who had hits, that doesn't count on their statistics now. On the good side, the copping pitchers who gave up the runs, it doesn't count for them either. And also, there's one less loss. Too. And there's one less loss. And that last tweet had 40,000 views on the Creighton page. So there was obviously a lot of people looking at it and uh, talking about it. Now, Coppin does not do that on their Twitter feed. They do not post every single um, hit, etc., etc. So, Jay, this is, there's nowhere that you can find this on record, but I have it. This is a scoop for JGB. That video that was posted, I've watched it, and I've written down what happened on the two runs that Coppin scored. Now, unfortunately, this will not count for their statistics either, but we have a bit of a scoop here. Inning opened with Anthony DiVittorio, single to right field. Number 23, Angel Cologne was hit by a pitch. Uh, Chris Marte fly ball to center field, but the runner advanced to third. Uh, Damon Gaither walked. Now, time out at this point. I've already said how excited I am about Damon. I am worried, though, that teams are going to know that's the player you got to watch out for. You do not let him win games. Intentional you just, walk. Intentional walk. So you've got to put somebody strong behind him as well. But if people can get on base ahead of him, that's really dangerous walking him, though, because then you could load the bases up for whoever's next. Uh, Ricky Jones might be that person, actually. Uh, Ricky Jones came up, passed ball, but nobody scored, unfortunately, even though the runner was on third. And then he actually struck out. Uh, Bryce Thompson walked. Oh, I think happy birthday to Bryce Thompson as well, we think. Yeah. Uh, there was definitely... I heard somebody had behind talking saying it was somebody's 20th birthday. I think they said it was Bryce. There was definitely balloons that said 20. Yeah. So um, we think Bryce got a walk on his birthday. And then Braylon Watson scored on a wild pitch. Um, oh, and, oh, sorry, Braylon Watson was batting. There was a score on a wild pitch. And there was an out on a fly to center field, which ended the inning. Um, that's where the two runs came from. Unfortunately, none of these will ever count because as far as that's concerned, that game didn't exist. But I kind of like that, Jay. Of all the games we ever had, I've never even heard of like a... I've heard of a no contest when the game's gone on to like 5 o'clock or something. But I'm, I didn't know we'd ever get to review a game that was that. So we were in a game and it didn't even exist te uh, technically. So anyway, I thought that was a cool ending to that game. But uh, So Coppin are only 0-2 as opposed to 0-3. Anything else about this game at all? Uh, no. Um, next game is up at George Mason, and uh, we're going to be at George Mason tomorrow. We're going to leave school a little bit earlier. 2 p.m. start. I'm going to finish just after lunch because I'll have taught all my classes. Uh 
All right. Now, I forgot that we had segments. Now, I used to have a segment about college, um, like what's going on in college. I saw one fact. I didn't write this down, but seeing as you want to talk about another segment, I will. There was a player in Division One baseball uh, who played at the weekend who played with a prosthetic leg. It's the first time that's ever happened in Division One baseball. I think he said he had a car accident or it might have been a boat accident. Um, but yeah, it showed you him walking up to take his um, at bat. So that's a player I might want to see in the future. That's really interesting that a player managed to recover from such a serious injury as that, um, and is playing with a prosthetic leg. Does he play with like a running leg? He's I. All I could see was he was just walking up to the plate. That was as much as I could see. But that might be. You said you want to do some research. Because if that might just, be one you could research. If he has like just like a like, if he has just like a regular prosthetic leg, some of those... It was bending. Yeah, it was some bending. of those can't really, like... Yeah, no, it wasn't like he was walking on a stilt or anything like that. It was, it was a... You could see it was highly mechanised. All right, now, the segment I had forgot about, and you didn't tell me you were going to do this, was we did the name game. I forgot how much you liked the name game. So, you got a player for me to guess, then? I have two. Two? Well, one of them I saw, but... I crossed it out. Oh, okay. So you still have two more? Yeah. Okay. So the rules are then you give me initial of a player and the middle name and then the initial of a last name and i got to try and guess who it is. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So the, so the first one is J. Carlos A. J. Carlos A. <sighs> now, is this a super tricky one or is it someone whose player's initials are really J.A.? Is this baseball, first of all? Yeah. Okay. And their initials are J.A. Their initials are J.A. I'm trying to think of J like Julio, uh, Juan, Jerry, James. I can't really think of anyone whose last name begins with an A off the top. Is it a current player or an old player? Current player? Current, yeah. Is it an Orioles player? No. Okay. I know sometimes you know that. Uh, J.A. Um, can you give me a clue? Cheating. Cheating? Scandal. Cheating scandal. Oh my gosh. Um, oh my god. And it's a current player? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I give up. Um, Jose Altuve. He was cheating? Yeah. Oh, because the 2016 yeah. World Series? Okay. Yeah. I didn't think of Altuve at all. I totally forgot about him. Yeah. I think he still plays for Houston, I think. Oh, actually, no, he doesn't. He moved. Um, He's most famous. For does he play for the Twins now? Wait, wasn't it? Really oh, was he? He was supposed to move to a team and then didn't go there. I don't know. All right. You said you got two for me? Yeah. Yeah. So I did get the right. Did I say Jose? I thought I said you Jose. said um, Julio. Oh, Julio. Yeah. Okay. Close. Um, do you have any? What? Do you have any names? No, I don't, because I didn't know we were doing this. Okay. Um, D, America, O, A. D, America, O. America. America, O. I don't really know how to pronounce okay, it. Okay, that's right, that's right. O, A? Yeah. Now, see, that's weird. Like, I think from that middle name, I shouldn't know who this is. Is this a current player? Uh, no, he retired. D O A. Okay, is this one where it's a trick one or the initials really D O A? They are. Okay, so does he have a double barreled last name? Or are you giving me like his his That's second his name? O A. That's weird. But so he has like usually only like um say his first last name. So it's really D and then A. Uh man, I'm struggling on the no, A. It's really D O. Oh, it's D O. 
Um, oh my gosh. Um, see, I've, I have heard of some players in America as well. I have a feel. Oh, I know who. Oh, no, now I figured out why I know who it is then. Okay. I don't know what the significance of the A is, but it's um, based on who your middle name is. It's David Ortiz. Yeah. That's why I recognize the America. I've just, I read the Ortiz autobiography uh, probably about three months ago. So I knew I heard it recently, but I couldn't remember why. Yeah. So what does the A stand for? Um, A, I don't really know how to pronounce it. A-R-I-A-S. Arias? Arias? Yeah, I'm not sure either. I'm not sure either. Ah, all right. So we're going to be doing the name game going forward as well then. Yeah. It's a recurring theme. All right. You get to end the show.